Hello everybody and welcome to the Abide Podcast with myself, Misha Solanga. Now, I know, I know, haven't been here in a minute, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important to take, you know, heed from the Holy Spirit when he leads you and tells you to maybe take a break. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now you can do it. So that is where I have been. I've just been allowing God to speak and pour into me before I come and I pour into other people from head knowledge because everything I do, I want to make sure that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and not by my you know, ability to do something. Anyway, with all of that said, I am so excited to share this word with you guys because I think it's very important for us to understand the, the inner workings of God, you know, how God relates to Jesus and how Jesus relates to us and how it all comes together. And in the parable that I'm going to be reading for you guys and just kind of trying to explore, you know, and understand it's, it's really cool because it shows us the dynamic between God and Jesus and the importance of each one and how they relate to us, you know? So, so, so I hope you guys are going to be, um, encouraged by this. I hope you guys are going to be learning about God because I think that's the ultimate thing is, is we need to know this God that we say we serve and we need to understand how our behavior, we need to understand that how the way we live affects him. Because it, it does. It's not like he's this nonchalant God who doesn't care about how we live and he's just crossing his fingers hoping that we're going to do the right thing. He is affected by our behavior. He is affected by how we, 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 you know, we interact with the world because he's put us here for a reason. And if we're not doing what he's called us to do, I'm pretty sure he's touched by that. Anyway, let me not go too far. Let's get straight into the word because that is why we are here. I'm reading from the book of Luke chapter 13 uh, from verse 6. So it says, the parable of the barren fig. Okay, he says, he also spoke this parable. This is Jesus. Jesus spoke this parable and said, a certain man. Now, I love the New King James because it puts that, that, that the word man in italics, which makes you think. When you read the Bible, guys, don't just read. Try to figure out why certain things are written in a certain way. Okay, it says that a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, dude, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I keep finding nothing. You know what? I'm over it. Cut it down. Why does it keep using up the ground and not producing anything? Verse 8. Also, guys, I'm adding my own ad-libs there just to make it, you know. Anyway, verse 8 says, But he answered. Now, this is the vineyard keeper who's answering the man. He says, Sir, Please let it alone just for this year until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, that's good. But if not, then you can cut it down. Now, you see, guys, for me, when I read this, also not for the first time, because we keep coming back to the word of God and each time he reveals something new. He takes you deeper. It all depends on your relationship with him and how you've, you know, the levels, because there are levels in this thing with, with God. He, he reveals himself to you piece by piece. So the closer you come to Jesus, the more he reveals unto you. The closer you come, the more he opens up understanding for you and you know about his word and about himself. Now with this specific uh, uh, parable, I believe God again is showing us the way he operates, the way the kingdom operates. And if you're willing to learn and you have an open mind and a teachable spirit, you'll see just how important, you know, the Trinity is, how, how each one plays a specific role. Okay, let's get into it. So I said uh, in the beginning that 
it says there a certain man in verse 6 and that man i believe symbolizes god the father okay with the god in the godhead we're symbolizing god the father by man okay and it says that he came you know into his vineyard not just any vineyard his vineyard okay and we know that if we go back into into the book of genesis that you know god created the earth and he created the garden of eden i'm just looking at that picture of the garden of eden right and i'm reminded that how god created that entire space and then he planted adam and eve or rather he planted adam he planted a man in that space okay so we're going to look at the fig tree as metaphorically referring to man as people the people that god created christians the church okay just so bear with me and 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 keep 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 on the lookout for those uh, keywords so he comes into his vineyard and i'm looking at it as god you know looking down on earth because remember back in the day in the times of genesis god actually came to eden and fellowshiped with adam and eve like he would come from heaven and have communion and fellowship with adam and eve we see this you know i think it's in the book of chapter chapter 2 of genesis where god comes down you know and he he calls out to adam and eve to have fellowship with them but they are hiding that's not the story we're about today i'm just trying to show you that god does come down to us god does come and fellowship with us it may no longer be physical like it was with adam and eve but now it's spiritual and he comes and checks how we are doing as the trees that he has planted on this earth now in this specific parable we see that god is coming or the man is coming you know to his tree to see if it's bearing fruit he's seeking fruit which should tell us something that God has, you know, it's not even a question. If he's put you here, there is something he's looking to reap out of you. He's put you here for a reason. You're not just a tree to just stand there. You must, you know, just, there is some purpose attached to you, right? And when he comes seeking fruit, he finds none. Then he says to the keeper in verse 7, listen here. I've planted this thing years ago and I keep coming to look at it and there's no fruit here. Can you imagine how God feels when he, when he comes, you know, in the spiritual eye and he's looking in the church and he's looking at believers, he's looking at Christians that he's planted on this planet, okay, to make a difference. Christians that he's planted on here, you know, to, 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 to display the love of God. Christians that he's planted on this earth to model you know to to model christ likeness because remember that is our mandate it is to be like christ on this earth it is to be representatives of jesus christ on this earth but when god looks down and he sees he's looking for fruit he's looking for re accurate representatives of him and he finds people who are misrepresenting misrepresenting him he finds christians who have hatred he finds christians who have no patience towards other people he finds christians who are not displaying that love who are not bearing fruit and if you're wondering about the fruit go check out galatians 5. okay so he's looking and he's like hi man i've planted these people here to, to do something it says in genesis that he, he put us on earth to subdue the earth and have dominion over it and to multiply others like ourselves believers but then he comes and he's like but they're not doing any of the thing i told them to do how does that make him feel how does that make him feel when he looks down on earth and he sees that we are not operating or doing the things that he's created us to do 
Let me tell you how that makes him feel. He says to the vineyard master, he says to the, to the keeper of the vineyard, who in this particular story symbolizes Jesus Christ. He says, I've come seeking fruit and each time I find nothing. That's disappointing. So cut it down. Destroy it. Okay? So right now, I want to talk to the believer that is very nonchalant about their, their being on earth. Like, you believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to do anything about that. I mean, I go to church. You know, I listen to Hillsong. I listen to Bethel music. I sing gospel music. I pray when I need to pray. But that's about it. You're not in tune with the things of God. You're not in step with the spirit of God. For you, it's just fun and games. Like, you don't realize that there's a whole purpose placed on your life. You're living as you please. You're not living worthy to the call that God has placed on your life. See, God is a God of wrath and justice. And, 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 and when he sees us, that his people were not doing what he's put us here for, he has every right to cut us down and destroy us. Because that is what this guy is saying. The master is saying here, this tree isn't bearing fruit. Kill it. Remove it. Let's replace it with something that's going to bear fruit. But look at how Jesus comes in. Jesus comes in and he says, no, 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 no. Give it another chance. Give it another chance. Give me another year. Let me tend to the tree. Let me, let me do things. Let me fertilize. Let me water it. Let me prune it. Let me try to get it to where you need it to be. But don't kill it. Now you're probably thinking, oh no, but God is a God of love. He wouldn't kill us. He wouldn't remove us. Excuse me. Might I remind you of Genesis chapter 6? Where God wiped out a human race because they were evil. Let me read it for you. Genesis chapter 6 from verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was evil all the time. The Lord, excuse me, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race that I have created, and along them with the animals and the birds and the creatures that move on the ground, for I regret that I made them. Then it says in verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And we know how that story goes, that God told Noah to create, to build the ark and, and to save whoever was willing to be saved. And if you read there, Noah kept telling the people that, guys, God is going to destroy this earth with a flood. You better get on this boat when I finish it. And people mocked him. Okay. And what happened after that? He got the, he got the animals on the boat and there was a flood and everyone died. Okay, so don't tell me that God is just a God of love. He is a God of love, yes, but he is also a God of wrath and justice. And if we don't obey his word, we will reap the consequences of that. That's just a matter of fact. Okay, and I'm thinking now, how many of us is God looking down upon at this point in our lives? And he's saying the exact same statement. He's saying, I've placed him or I've placed her on earth for so many years and still he isn't serving his purpose. I've made it clear to him what I want him to do, what I want her to do. Like they go to church, they know what is happening, they know their responsibility, and yet still they want to be a part of this world and do things that I have not called them to do. Okay? Then he says to Jesus, let's remove them. Let's start over. But now, Jesus, being the merciful heart of God and an advocate for us, stands up for us. He says in, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. Okay, then it continues. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. That is a scripture that tells us that Jesus Christ is our advocate in moments where God is over us. 
in moments where God is tired of our mess because I'm pretty sure he's looking right now 2020 and he's like yo ain't nobody got time for these people let's remove them and I'm not even talking about the world people who don't believe I'm not talking about the people who don't believe in God I'm looking inside the church we are a mess as Christians and I'm pretty sure God is so disappointed I mean there are some of us yeah but all of us were a mess and I'm pretty sure God looks at the, at the church and is disappointed because we are supposed to be an example for those who don't believe. But people who are not believers in Jesus look at the church, they look at Christians and they're like, ah, now nah, there's nothing to be desired there. We're okay. We're okay. We don't need that Jesus. If that's how Christians live, then I'm better off not being a Christian. You know? So when things like that happen, God is in his moment of wrath and then Jesus says, no, 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 no. Okay, okay, God. Okay, Father. I get it. You're upset. You're angry. But give me time. Give me time to work on their hearts. Give me time to, to minister to them. Give me time to tend to them and to bring them into your likeness. An advocate is one who pleads a case, the case of another. Do you get it? So, so in this parable, the, the, the vineyard keeper is pleading on the case of the fig tree to not be cut down as the master is asking. Do you see why I'm making this, this comparison and, and saying that the garden keeper is like Jesus, right? The, 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 the keeper is pleading for the fig tree to not get cut down and to get one more chance. And I believe that every day when we make a mistake, every day when we fall into sin, whether consciously or unconsciously, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. As Romans 8.34 tells us, he's standing at the right hand of the Father and he is pleading for us that God doesn't cut us down. Okay, we've all made mistakes. I make mistakes. I sin. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I did that. But Jesus every day, by the grace of God, is pleading for us, for God not to remove us from this earth because he, he, he sees. Yo, guys, the love of God is just next level, hey? Because I'm thinking now, Jesus sees the end in the beginning, right? He is the Alpha and the Omega. So he knows where we have the potential to be. He knows who we have the potential to become. So every day he's fighting for that person to manifest. He's fighting that we don't get, you know, removed from this earth. He's fighting not only for God's wrath to not be upon us, but he's also fighting against the plans of the enemy that are coming against us. Can you see how we need to appreciate Jesus for the work he does? We think it's just, you, we think the work of Jesus ended on Calvary, on the cross, when he died for our sins and then he rose again. But that's not the case. Every day of our existence, he is still pleading with God for us. How amazing is that? I mean, even in this moment, I'm just, I'm in awe of the work that Jesus does for us. Because I know as humans, I'm, I mean, hello now. I'm going to get over you too. If I keep defending you for things that you do and I keep telling you don't do it and you keep doing it. I mean, it's only a matter of time until I'm like, you know what? Do you boo. Ain't nobody got time for that. But you see, that's the difference between human love and God's love. Oh, guys, I'm just, I'm actually feeling really overwhelmed with the love of God right now and how good he is. Because every time I speak the word of God and I share a message, it ministers to me because I see how we've all, myself, how we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But daily he fights for us. If that doesn't encourage you and if that doesn't make you want to stop to stop doing things that are hurting God,
to stop disappointing God by the way that you live, by the way that you think. And not to say that we're not going to make mistakes, but we need to get to a point as believers where we are not chasing sin anymore. Do you know what I mean? Where we are not like, even it doesn't feel like FOMO. You need to get to a point where your life that you're living for God is something that you desire, that you see as a privilege, not as a burden. Because I, be- I-, I promise you, it's probably like, a high percentage of believers who feel burdened by the fact that they're living for God, who feel burdened by not doing things that the Bible says we mustn't do. And that is not what God wants. God doesn't want this walk and this relationship to be a burden on you. He wants you to see it as a privilege because it's a relationship. He wants it for you, but he wants you to want it too. Ah, anyway, let me me move on. So, you know, like I said, Each day, we're missing the mark, we're sinning, we're making mistakes, and we're not living in God's intended will. But you know what? He keeps keeps tapping into the mercy. He keeps tapping into the mercy. And we do something wrong, and maybe some of us should have died by now. Some of our actions should have resulted in death, in sickness, in unfortunate circumstances, but because of the mercy of Jesus Christ, they don't kill us. Sometimes we, we, we get punished by God, you know, and we can feel like, yo, I know something's wrong here, but it doesn't kill us because that's the mercy of God. He keeps us alive. He gives us another day, even though we do wrong. That is the work of Jesus in our lives. The mercy that Jesus displays to us. Like I said, the owner of the vineyard says something specific. He says, why does it use up the ground? Go back to the verse. Go back to verse 7. The, 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 the owner of the vineyard says, why does it use up the ground? And simply put, God is basically saying, whatever or whoever is not bearing fruit is taking up space. Come on, somebody. If you are not bearing fruit, if you are not living out the purposes that God has called you to do, you are taking up space on this earth. Colossians 1.10 tells us that you may walk worthy of the calling, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The question I want to pose to you is, are you taking up space on this earth or are you work, working, uh, walking sorry, worthy of the calling that God has placed on your life? Think about it. Don't just answer. Take a moment and think. Am I work, walking worthy? Am I heeding God's call upon my life and actually living up to it? See, walking worthy of a calling is not a complex thing. We make it complicated. It's not this huge intimidating job. It's as simple as being fruitful. It's as simple as being in tune with... See, listen. Fruitfulness is not going to happen by wishing to be fruitful. We're not going to be fruitful by simply saying, God, I want to be fruitful. Let's be fruitful today. Your fruitfulness is dependent and it is contingent, excuse me, on your intimacy with God. It is contingent on your abiding in the branch, in the vine that is Jesus Christ. Okay, so the the, the closer we stick to Jesus, the more we look unto him, the more we read his word, the more we fellowship in prayer with him, the more we worship him in truth and in spirit, there we become fruitful it's it's fruitfulness is a byproduct of our intimacy come on now come on you're wondering why you're not fruitful it's because you're not intimate with god you're not spending time with god see we have a warped understanding of intimacy in the physical in the natural on this world we think for intimacy is you know be having 
touching someone, being, 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 having sex or sleep. No, intimacy is a connection that is deep. It's a spiritual connection. It's desiring to be with him. I'm speaking about God now. It's desiring to be with him, being in his word, desiring to know him deeper, desiring to love him through your actions and displaying that love unto other people. The fruit of the spirit are a byproduct of that. So if, if you're not bearing fruit, go read Galatians 5. If we're not bearing fruit in certain areas of our lives or in all of our life, it, is, it should be an indication that you're not spending enough time with God. Plain and simple. That's the math. Spend time in the word of God. Pray. Read the word. Desire to be with God equals fruitfulness. It is that simple. Let's move on to verse 8. Verse 7 was a lot, yo. I'm feeling it. Oh, it was a lot. I'm just, I'm so excited right now. I got goosebumps. It's amazing. Anyway, verse 8 says, But he answered and said to him, Now this is, this is the, the, the vineyard keeper. He answered and said, Sir, leave it alone for this year until I dig around it and fertilize it. This is an important verse because it shows us the nature of Jesus Christ. It shows us the heart of Jesus Christ for us as his people. See, the owner of the vineyard was tired of the, the, the tree not bearing fruit. He was ready to cut it down. Because imagine maintaining something that is not serving you. Does that mean? Like maintaining something that is not being of purpose feels like a waste of time. You're wasting energy. You're wasting money. You're wasting resources on something that is not bearing fruit. So what's the logical thing to do? Cut it down. Even as people, when we're spending time on something that is not proving fruitful, that is not, you know, uh, uh, bearing any kinds of any kind of benefits, what do we do? We stop doing it. It feels like the logical thing to do. Being in a relationship that harms you, that doesn't grow you, that doesn't, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, what do we do when that relationship is no longer serving us? We leave. What do we do when we are, you know, for example, if you're gymming and you feel like it's not paying out, it's not paying off for me, we stop. What do you do if you see that a specific diet is not working for you? You see that, no, I'm not reaching my goals. What do you do? You quit. You stop. You cut it out. You destroy it. So God was coming into the same mentality because it doesn't make sense to keep pouring into something that is not serving you back. But you see now, the gardener, Slash Jesus Christ is pleading for one more chance. Pleading for one more chance. Yo, when I think about how we don't deserve the mercy. Remember the Bible tells us that, uh, 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 that we, we, we experience new mercies every morning. That's a blessing. New mercies every morning. That's the hand of God granting you another chance at life, giving you another chance to do right, giving you another chance to walk in his purpose, giving you another chance to serve him, giving you another chance to love him. Okay? And remember, loving God is not, is not just like how we love on earth, the, 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 the cute feeling, the butterflies. Oh my gosh, I'm so, I love you. No, no, no. With God, love is deeper than your feelings. Okay? With God, love is action. Love is in your actions when it comes to God. Love is in, it's in your obedience when it comes to God. I think it's in the book of First John. One of the Johns there in the New Testament, you know, at the back, uh, when, when, when it says that loving God is in your obedience to him. It is not about, you know, uh, are you saying you love him with your mouth? It's in your actions. Are you obeying the word of God? Because if you're not obeying the word of God, then you don't love God. Because remember, his word is him. Ooh, okay, okay, let's move on. 
See, Romans 8.34, I mentioned this. I, I'm talking to now the part of Jesus being our lawyer, being our, our, our intercessor, standing before God and pleading for us. This is in Romans 8. Don't think I'm talking, I'm saying this out of my own. No, no, no. This is in the Bible. Romans 8.34 says, who then will condemn us? No one. Come on now. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Check this. Pleading for us. Can we talk about the fact that everything Jesus does is for us? Are you realizing that? Everything Jesus does is for us. He came to earth, not for himself. He came here to die for us, not for himself. Because I can imagine that was not fun. Then what did he do? He could have stayed dead and be like, you know what? I'm over it. I'm tired. No, but he was raised to life again, not for himself, for us. And now that he's raised up, it's not like he's just chilling, enjoying living his best life because he did his work. No, no, no. It says he's at the right hand of God pleading for us. So his job is never done. So when we disappoint God by way of our actions and thoughts, of course, I'm sure he has his moments where he's like, ah, these people are our guys. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired now. These people, no, no, no. It's time. Let, let's just remove them. Remember the story of Noah, how God removed the people, right? So we know it's possible, but then we know we have Jesus who's interceding for us daily. If that doesn't, guys, if that doesn't change your heart, if that doesn't, I don't know what it's supposed to do, but it's doing something for me every day. I think it's the book of Philippians. Is it, is it, is it Philippians or I'm not sure, but it speaks about chapter one, verse six, where it says that he who has started a good work in you will not stop. He will not stop until the day of Christ Jesus. So every day he's trying every day. He's calling out to you every day. He's leading you, guiding you into the likeness of Jesus Christ, because that is what God wants. Ultimately, that is the ultimate design. That is the, the ultimate intention of God is that we be like Jesus Christ. So Jesus every day is fighting for us to get another chance to be like him. Now I want, I want to finish it off where he says, I, and if it bear fruits, if it bears fruit, well, that's good. But if not after that, you can cut it down. So we are all coming to an end. Okay. I mean, it's all going to end at some point. We're not going to be here forever in the physical body. Right. But God's ideal is that we come before our physical lives end. He wants us to come to a likeness of Jesus Christ. Right. So don't take it for granted that every day God is reaching out to you with a word that every day God is every Sunday. There's someone preaching a word to bring you back unto the likeness of Jesus Christ. Okay. So I want you to do an introspection right now and see where you stand. Are you like the fig tree that is not bearing fruit and is consequently disappointing God? Are you one of the reasons that Jesus has to constantly, you know, be interceding for you? We need to do better. We need to do better. We need to be Christians that are actually bearing fruit on earth because we know that that is what he wants. Is it Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 that says we need to walk worthy of the Lord. We need to walk, walk worthy of what Jesus Christ did for us. We need to walk worthy of God creating us. Putting a purpose on our lives by being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Phew! That was a lot for me but you know what more than anything I hope that 
you take something away from this. I hope that, as a matter of fact, I know that the word of God does not fall down just in vain. There's a reason someone needed to hear this. And I pray, I, I genuinely pray that your heart was a fertile ground for the seed that is the word of God to be deposited in. That is all from me. But before I leave, I want to pray and, and, just, and just close it up and send it back to God. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this moment. I want to thank you so much for speaking through me and speaking to your children. I pray, Father God, that there may be a heart that is ready, that is willing to hear this word, a spirit that is yearning for this word, because we know, Father God, that faith, you know, comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. So I pray that someone's faith right now will be increased. Someone's desire for you will be increased. Someone's, you know, understanding of you, God, will be increased because we know that you want that for us. You want us to know you because that is how we can become intimate. It's by knowing you more so i pray father god that you may draw us closer to you through this word that father god your children may seek you deeper and more diligently because of this word because we understand that father god you want us to be fruitful in all things for this i give you glory father god and i give you honor in jesus mighty name i pray amen and amen